Welcome to Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. almost forgot what network this was on. Uh, we are doing our Season 7A wrap-up. The, yep. the first half season is over. Don't get the next half season until next year. Uh, and we're here to talk about it. I think we said a lot about it in the, in the previous episode, in kind of the finale episode, you know, wrapped up the season a bit. Um, we have a lot of feedback, though, that I want to go over, and it might encourage a lot of discussion. Okay. So, do you have any thoughts you want to get to before we get right into the feedback? Um, no, not 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 really. I, I did listen to a few other of the competitors' podcasts to see kind of what everybody else was thinking, and it looks like that the season finale was met with mostly approval. Mm-hmm. Um, after everybody kind of been down at the midpoint in the season, and also uh, the, I guess the one thing. Some people thought that we had left it ambiguous about whether we are returning for the second half of the season. I want to lay that to rest. We will be coming back and, and finishing up season seven. Um, I'm not going to guarantee yeah. exactly what shape that format that will be. Like we might shift mm-hmm. it to a day. We might move it like less of a recap and more of what we call our half ass podcasts, which it's been the same amount of effort roughly but what we do is we don't we we dispense with the recap we just talk about the things we liked and didn't like right. it's more of a review than a, a recap review mm-hmm. uh and then you know i like i said i, I i'm not going to make any pre- promises about the depth of the coverage or, or what form the coverage or what day the coverage will be released um but we will be back now past this season who knows but um i think one of the things you know deal to kind of illuminate that one of the things we were bummed about this season is i felt like that i think you felt the same way having the walking dead podcast on monday mm-hmm. stole stole some focus away from the westworld podcast that we would have done much better too like i don't think yeah. we did a bad job but right. i think we had to really hustle to get adequate coverage out for that yeah, and I felt like I didn't do a service to either podcast that way. Yeah. Like, Westworld was clearly a much better show. It's uh, also... It surprisingly had a bigger audience yeah. for us. Uh, I think we... You know, I, I wouldn't say drop the ball, because how could we have known? Right. Uh, but it sucks that Walking Dead kind of got in the way yeah. of a much better show, of our, our coverage of a much better show. Yeah, and like I said, if, if I had to do it over again, I'd probably push Walking Dead to Wednesday release. Right. Which I don't know if that would piss, like, that would just kill The Walking Dead show, but either way, it's like, I think that's, you know, I mean... It would probably kill the growth of Walking Dead, but for people who really want us to stick around, and there are a lot of them. Yes. I got a lot of feedback from people saying, hey, I don't want to lose this podcast. It's Sometimes it's the only reason I watch the show, or I don't even watch the show, I just listen to your podcast, but I don't want it to go away. And we we like doing it. I mean, it it bums us out, and it's always roughest. Like, the last time I got this close to quitting The Walking Dead is season three. Mm-hmm. the finale which i just felt was like really disrespectful to fans and yeah and and also i think it had the misfortune maybe not this seems uh i, I thought it maybe was airing opposite of of true detective season one and anytime you got a contrast mm-hmm. between such a superior show and the walking dead and then the walking dead is also in the middle of shitting the bed yeah. it makes it even worse and we had that situation where we yep. watched The Walking Dead, then went home and watched The Westworld, and like, jeez, mm-hmm. wow, this, and then realized, oh, I can't think about Westworld for the next day. I have to think about this show, <laughs> right? And it doesn't do anybody any favors. So, like I said, right. no promises and- as to what form or what day or how we approach the content, but we are not, we are not giving up on Rick and Carl just yet. Yeah, and the thing that I, I think the part that I didn't like about covering this season of Walking Dead really was taking the show seriously. I, I don't 
feel like taking the show seriously anymore because I don't think the show itself bothers to take the details seriously. Well, but, you know, uh, to push back on that a little bit, I think part of the problem was there was also, like, that Terra episode wasn't a whole lot to rip on. It was just, it was bad in a way that wasn't even entertaining to make fun of, you know? It was just bad. Well, I mean, I think if our sole focus was to have a little more fun with this stuff, I I think we could have come up with something, certainly. Um, You know, the other thing that the Monday schedule of Walking Dead Tuesday Westworld schedule did is it fucked with our ability to ever make skits like we had just mm. we never had time to even yeah. think about making a skit right which has been you know kind of some of I mean, the usually, most fun we've had with this show I, I don't when's the last time we had a skit at do we have one in season six I know we had a shit ton in remember. the Alexander introduction we even did video skits and stuff but yeah that's that's one of the side effects. Advancing that I didn't it to Monday. Think about. If we did it to Wednesday, right? You got the whole thing in reverse. You got much mm-hmm. more time to do stuff like that. So yeah. Anyway, that I just want to set everybody at mind at ease that uh, we will be doing something. And again, we, we're not going to do something we don't think is good. Mm-hmm. So like when I say half-ass podcast, no, that's just the smart-ass bald move way to refer to a recapless podcast. Like right. Our Fargo podcast, our half ass no podcast, caps. our our the leftovers, which I think is some of our finest work. Yeah, half ass, re, you know, half ass uh-huh. podcast. So it's not a and knock. I spend more time doing the leftovers podcast than I've ever spent on a recap. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not a knock on. It's just us being smart asses and right. being internally self deprecating. So there you go. Okay, let's get into some feedback. We start off with. Uh, John from Kentucky has a couple things to say. First off, after watching this season, I realized Netflix would be a better platform for The Walking Dead. And, uh, yeah, I I don't know that I disagree with that. Um, so that's the theory. And that, a lot of people find it on Netflix. That binging cures all ills. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, he says, I started the show a few years late, and I enjoyed seasons one and two because I was binging it. The second I got to the third season, I started having problems with the show. And maybe that's a symptom of the third season kind yeah. of being ruined at the end. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I feel like this this whole, this is like the conventional wisdom is like, oh, binging is going to make things better. I don't think it makes things better. I think it just allows you to rinse the taste of a particularly bad or uneventful episode out of your mouth. Yeah. Like, you have a, if you have a Terra episode, you have an entire week to ruminate on, oh, God, and like, you know, whereas, you know, if you have a Terra episode in Netflix, it's just like, oh, well, uh, starting next episode in 15, 14, 13, you know, it's like it, it's on to the next one. Yeah, we do have an email later kind of about the same topic that goes more in depth, and I think um, there are some things that the Netflix model does actually fix, I think, that okay. the show does, but we'll, we'll talk well, about it when we I will there. say this, that I think Netflix... The model might not fix it, but Netflix, the company, I don't know that Netflix, the company treats this property the way AMC does. Like if AMC shits to bed on this and ratings continue to erode and uh, they cancel it like the killing, I could see Netflix snapping it up and actually pumping cash in and bringing in new runners and taking this property to the next level like it should be. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, AMC is not interested in, in doing that. Right. So that... Or, or yeah. you know, we also talk mm-hmm. about is there a way that AMC might wrap up this current storyline? Because it, it seems increasingly likely that there's no way they're going to get 20 years out of this, which seems sure. like yeah. what you would need to tell Kirkman's entire magnum opus here. Right. So, like, could there be a way where you could tie up Rick and Carl's story in a way that maybe, 
you could recast some of the leads and start it with you know start start over. But why would AMC let that happen? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If it went to Netflix, they might just start a new series. Yeah. And I know they have a history of not doing that, yeah. like Arrested Development and and various other shows that they brought back. But yeah, or it'd I, maybe, be interesting to just get and yeah recast everybody and start over and actually tell the comic book storyline <laughs> right how about no that? seriously the walking dead yeah, that's yeah what really called yeah it's like you know how you had the ghostbusters and, and the cartoon and, the and it was like completely made up and abusive and then you had the real Ghostbusters. yeah right. walking dead and the real walking dead uh-huh uh number two after listening to your wrap-up reviewer emails of hearts still beating i went back and rewatched the scene where richard cries in his camper very blatantly and conspicuously, his feet aren't shown. They're covered by branches when he enters the camper and covered by his legs when he falls down. Oh, Even shit. when he walks into the camper and his full body is shown, only his feet are covered by a box. This might be the show trying to hide that he is the boot guy, because if we saw his shoes or socks, we'd know it was him. What do you think about that? Um, Conspicuous hiding theory. of boots. Yeah. Interesting theory. And I also have a uh, an off-topic story. That I think the, the, the our nerd audience, uh, our fellow, I should say fellow nerd audience, will enjoy. Mm-hmm. So l- last night we did our Star Wars review. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we got into is um, an issue about um, you know Peter Cushing and, and how they use his image in the film. And so I was reading because I was wanting to know, was like, you know, did they seek permission for that use and et cetera? And I got to an article that talked about how Peter Cushing found the writing boots – so uncomfortable to wear and they hurt his feet so badly that he refused to wear them and all of his scenes in A New Hope are filled. He, he's wearing slippers, bedroom slippers. Awesome. So when the artists were going to try to, to try to get <laughs> reference images of him just moving around and stuff, they could because every scene with him, with like one rare exception, is mm-hmm. filmed from the ankles up. And I thought that and, is hilarious. And if you're Lucas... What do you do? You got this famous British actor that you're trying to direct here. You don't say, I mean, no, I'm sorry, Peter, all the be- you've got to you, wear... You've seen all the behind-the-scenes material. Lucas was barely in control. Right. Like, he had lighting guys giving him shit, grips giving him shit, camera operators. Like, everybody just, you know, this, this yeah. weird nerd with a beard and flannel, and <laughs> he's American, and we're English, and it was a real shit show. But part of the shit show... Peter Cushing shows up on set in slippers. You don't question it. Well, I mean, they just shoot around. The execs wanted to put, if you remember, Chewbacca in Lederhosen Mm -hmm. because there was concern that the Wookiee was naked. And George had to decide between fighting Cushing's slippers and the Wookiee's Lederhosen, and he (laughs) let the slippers win. So (laughs) he was counseled by Han to let the slippers win. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to Dan P., who. Wanted to give his overall reaction to how the half season would uh, play out. However, or sorry, hopefully you'll share this and stick with the podcast as he enjoys our our stuff on his morning commutes. It says, after the season opener, um, seeing what Gimple and Kirkman did with this episode, uh, episode two and four, I was furious with their their logic. To take the pressure cooker of the first episode and let it just out like a whoopee cushion because we needed to know about Carol and Morgan, Tara, Heath, and Maggie. Then I took a step back and I realized what they were doing is the one thing that I was hoping they'd do every season, which is play chess. At no point would Easy Street or Carol, the thieving wheelchair woman, uh, would have been met with happiness, but it needed to be done much like the opening with pawns before you can move the bishops. Tara's episode seems like a ridiculous one until you realize that it gives hope to a community that could work and survive without being under Negan's thumb. 
My wife said after the last episode that she had thought the governor was more terrorizing until until what happened Sunday uh, with Negan, I guess. Hmm. It goes to show that while they were trying to move the pieces, they didn't make Negan a scary guy in actuality, just in theory. Oh, wait. Am I confusing it here? I think I'm confusing the issue. Uh, yeah, but basically he's saying, you know, they're setting up the pieces. And I, I don't disagree, um, and, and I think these pieces need to be set up. I just think that they're setting them up poorly yeah they're they're just they're not taking into account like the details of how they get them set up they just want to get them set up mm-hmm. it's like if you were setting up a chessboard and you took your pawns and put them in the back row because i just want to get the board set up or you let the white you let the white the team white move six pieces because i don't want to have to deal with the you know cutting back and forth in black and white like you know and then right. black will and they move the same way anyway no, no that's right you're only seeing half the thing and it's less interesting and this siloing everything up and i guess i've come to the realization that that's probably solely a budgeting deal like it it's it seems it seems reasonable that they're trying to save budget by keeping some of the actors siloed from the others so they only have to pay them this instead of like this and I, yeah I maybe mean, to advance the shooting schedule and or all kinds even of stuff, even right? if it's that it, it doesn't seem like it's it's a a thing that serves the story it's something that just serves the bottom line and i yeah so yeah. I, i'm fine with a slow patient deploying the pieces but a lot of times i just felt like i was only seeing half the board um, and also, like, you know, I they also said things like, oh, well, the reason we did the finale the way we did is because we want to see everyone's reactions. And then, it, then I mean, my feeling is I felt like I was robbed of a lot of people's reactions to what's going on. Like, I don't feel mm-hmm. like they gave um, a, a, a full, you know, they, they let, let Tara have 15 seconds to, to grieve. Uh, when Maggie and Rick reunited, there was none of this... Uh, Hey, you know, there was this kind of complex discussion about who was at fault and like, you know, hey, have we thought about that any or like, you know, it's not I just felt like they really shortchanged the emotion of what these characters went through and a lot of this stuff. But yeah. And I mean, especially with Tara, you have to focus on the things that matter to those characters. And I, I like, you know, Glenn certainly mattered to Tara. I'm not going to take away from that. But Abraham, she didn't give a shit about Abraham. Why would right. she? Right. Uh, she barely knew Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I feel like shortchanging the Denise thing just totally uh, just undermines everything they spent setting up those chess pieces they set up last last season, right? Uh, to come back and just not even really address it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing because they don't feel like it's not. I mean it's it's going to be so annoying because I'm sure five episodes from now in the the next half season they'll have some right. speech where she talks about how much she loves Denise and I'm like that's not how. You can't just take you can't just take emotional beats and stick them wherever you want. Yeah, you can't. You can't. That that violates a lot of the laws of how things work in cinema. You know that's why pacing and tone and all that stuff is important. That's why Casey Kasem flipped out when he had to go into an up goddamn tempo uh, record <laughs> off of a goddamn death dedication because right. you can't make that shit work. And that's yeah. what Walking Dead does all the time. So, yeah. All right, Tony T has a couple of comments about uh, our previous podcast clarifying some things. He says, telling Dwight that he can have sex with any woman who will say yes is a slap in his face, essentially. He's he's basically saying that he is too repulsive for any woman to ever say yes. And it's in a scene where he kind of was already talking about his face, right? 
So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Huh. Um, and it's something that we hadn't talked about and probably missed. Well, I, I took it from, because fa- because Negan in the comic books is famously, that's like one of his little things of morality is like he doesn't let his men, he, he forbids rape. Okay. Um, now, you know, again, you, you look at it from a, a a perspective of, do any of these, are any of these women in a situation where you would call it true consent? And I'd say f- no. Obviously. Which is kind of like a weird thing is like to hang, I, and I think, I give Kirkman enough credit that I think that's kind of the point that like he has this kind of archaic morality around some of this stuff, which is really no morality at all. Uh-huh. Whereas I feel like some fans on the internet take it the wrong way and it's like, well, that's an interesting facet of Negan. Like, what a contrast! Such a brutal guy, but he respects women. Sure, um, you know. Sure. So I, I don't think so Kirkman I, is condoning it. No, 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 no. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Right. I'm taking pains to say right. I think Kirkman's smart enough to like he's he's showing that as like a weird you know like a weird character flourish rather than a redeeming side to him. Sure. Anyway, um, so I was looking at it all from that angle. I'd never thought about maybe he was shining Dwight on and I don't know what the show really intended because they also I mean I would imagine they would pay homage to that character quirk of Negan's Mm -hmm. so I don't know that's that's a good piece of secondary analysis though also we were blasting Maggie for being up on that wall showing her face all around the the greater DC area Uh uh-huh uh he says maybe Maggie doesn't know she's supposed to be dead she hasn't had contact with with anyone from Alexandria since the killings since Negan's loose ceilings, so she doesn't yeah. know that they've told whoa, her. Whoa, whoa, they've whoa. told them that she's. That's dead. not the problem. The, that at least I had. My problem is uh, the Hilltop community, or at least uh, the Gregory contingent of it, is worried that they would be connected to the extra legal killings of the Savior Men. Sure. Yeah. So the fact that Matt, you know, they're, they're they're professing ignorance and know nothing about these Alexandrians. If they show up and fucking Maggie's on the wall, that busts that wide open. And then, oh yeah, I mean Gregory's an idiot. Certainly, I know that. But like, I, why? I, I don't think he's wrong about that though. If mm-hmm. Maggie is seen in the hilltop, there will be reprisals because that will prove that. They're... Right. My point in saying Gregory is an idiot is Gregory's going to let Maggie go do whatever she wants. Apparently. Okay. Like right. But. But yeah, I, Maggie's... so Maggie shouldn't have a problem necessarily. Like, there's wouldn't no she, reason for her not to go up on the wall. Feel does she not feel any kind of um, responsibility towards these people's lives? Because like, if Negan's men see her through binoculars and like, what Maybe? the fuck? That's that. That's that chick from Alexandria. Then the hilltops in a lot of shit. People are gonna die. At the very least, she should care about this doctor. And I, that's for like selfish you know, reasons d- for right for good reasons, and also you go back to he's the helped pl- her. Is her womb ripped or not? Uh, sure. If it's yeah. if it's ripped, then she shouldn't be fucking climbing up and down ladders to get the walls. Uh, yeah. So sure. I, I have a that. multifaceted <laughs> defense to to this this thing. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the chess pieces because a lot of people wrote in and obviously said these are Dwight's. Uh, this is how Daryl knew he was in Dwight's room. That's why he because over he said, the board. "Hey, yeah," and that's why he flipped over the board. Because uh, back in the day, I guess last yep. season, he told Daryl, "I like to carve shit yep. or something." And and we even thought, and that like showed up in his motorcycle uh, saddlebags. Right. And yeah. So and I remember, I remember, I was having a conversation about like, oh, man, they expect us to remember that shit. Like that's such a let, let me get on to a Bob Teff's email. Uh, because he addresses this exact point, and I think it's interesting to talk about. Uh, he says, in regards to the chess piece, it was a very specific totem which told us that Daryl actually ended up in Dwight's room, hence the flipping of the table and getting angry. 
But how the hell would we know that? I only caught it because I happened to be flipping channels during AMC's Walking Dead marathon leading up to the finale. I landed on AMC right at the point where we meet Dwight, his wife and, his, and her sister. Mm-hmm. It had been so long ago, and I couldn't recall much of the early story with Dwight, so I rewatched a bit. The showrunners, looking at you, Gimple, don't understand the impact of real-world time on the show. They have a penchant for planting small seeds and expecting them to pay off uh, for viewers long after the expiration dates. In this particular instance, Gimple expects fans to recall this bit of minutia planted over a calendar year ago and over 20 viewing hours ago. Worse, he expects that to convey a meaningful plot point to the audience. So how is it that uh, indicative... So how is that indicative of the major problem with this season? Again, the time issue. I don't think the season was bad as far as content and story. We probably disagree there. (laughs) The problem was the delivery. Eh, No, actually, I think you're right. The, The... The core germ of the story told here was interesting. Okay, by not intercutting with uh, the various stories, viewers lost sight of the main plot and lost connections with major characters. When these connections to the overall story were lost, episodes like episodes felt like filler when in actuality they were not. Uh, too many ninety-minute episodes also contributed to that feeling. Rather, the feeling uh, rather than feeling like individual arms of a longer, a larger story, most of the season felt like plots for each character's spinoff show. The showrunners need to decide if they are going to make the show for appointment viewing week to week on AMC now or for binge watchers on Netflix next year. And that, I think, is interesting. So that gets to, like, the crux of the interesting part, which is the growing pains of this sort of Internet sleuthing and this this Internet engagement on shows, which is, you know, a crutch that they can use to guarantee that people will see what they're trying to do. So, like, I'm certain that this was mentioned all over Reddit oh, when, yeah. when it happened. Like, mm-hmm. oh, th- these were Dwight's chess pieces. This, you know, he flipped the table because he's angry. Dwight told him in episode three of season six or whatever uh, that I liked to carve things and even gave him a chess piece. Mm-hmm. That was probably out there. Uh, but expecting an average viewer and, and, and making your show around it um, to where it's important to remember those tiny little details from way before. Uh, I think it it harms the week to week viewing certainly. Although the other counterpoint, I, I'm not. I don't really believe this. I'm just going to throw it out there. Is that it's also not super crucial to the plot. Like, wait, it's like, wait. Character motivations aren't super crucial to the plot. Understanding what's in a character's head is absolutely crucial to a plot. But but Dwight carving the thing and, and Daryl re- realizing that and Daryl being frustrated and flipping over the that, I don't think that is vital to understanding either Dwight nor Daryl. I mean, if you disagree, that's fine. I'm just, that's my opinion. I, I, think, I think it provides a richness that is entirely lost in The Walking Dead because of the things they do like this. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. And like I said, the, I've, I've seen other shows do things like this, but they always it's always a lot more distinctive of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, I'll, I'll give a... I was going to give a Game of Thrones example, but that might be spoilery. A Lord of the Rings, you know, they make a big deal about giving Sam and Frodo these brooches, right, around their neck, these these little, like, elf things, these these leaves. And then they show... Uh, you know, one of the hobbits dropping it, and then they show Aragorn later on in the same fucking movie picking it up as part of the trail, and then he comments like, "Not idly do the leaves of Lothlorien fall." To make sure you make the connection between all that stuff, and here it's just you have a very minor character from a season and a half ago doing something, and then another character observing, it, and it's it's like you're right, like 
I don't know whether Daryl should have been like, oh, God damn it, Dwight, you son of a bitch, before he did it, or... But I don't know if this is an intentional decision to kind of lean into, you know, the new, the new way of watching TV for a lot of people, or if this is something that they're just unconsciously doing because they think it's cool or they think, yeah, people will remember this. Um, I, I don't know which it is, but if they are in fact leaning into this sort of internet era of television watching they're leaning too hard into it i think it's just a sign of their like I, I i went on my rant about amateur hack writing a couple weeks back and i think that's my point is that these bread leaving breadcrumbs in your script and in your story is super easy mm-hmm. connecting them in a meaningful way and have them have have your audience because because a lot of this stuff only really is meaningful if you organically make the connections you know, like if you yourself okay. realize, oh yes, that's Dwight's thing, and oh yeah, and you feel clever, and you feel like you you've made a discovery along with Daryl. If you have to go look it up on Reddit, you know, that's where I'm like, you know, we we argue hmm. the other way in Westworld. We're like, oh, a lot of the fun is being drained out because you got a million people analyzing something in a microscope, and they find this minute thing that blows the lid open on something that happens episodes later, and. I'm missing out on the feeling of cleverness and like aha when I when I see this happen on a screen. You got the reverse problem in Walking Dead where shit is just happening and it's so tenuous that the only way the average person's going to figure it out is by going on Reddit and seeing it. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's, it's not like, like it's not like eventually a person will realize, "Oh yeah, right, that's right. Dwight's chess piece," you know. Yeah. It's that they never realize it and right. then they go back and read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that they've seen all the clues. And the show has tried to tell them, but it's just not. It's not. Although, in there. if you're binging this on a weekend in Netflix, maybe you would. You know, again, maybe. maybe. Ne- I mean, maybe twenty Netflix hours is, is still yeah, a, lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. A lot. It's a lot. Hey, everybody! Once again, if you liked our coverage of The Walking Dead and you enjoy what we do here at Bald Move, we'd appreciate your support at support.baldmove.com. Uh, a couple things are coming out um, on the twentieth. Telltale is releasing season three of their Walking Dead episodes. No, they're releasing some side story. Oh, it's not back to Klim. No. Oh shit, I'm completely missing. No, this is that. like Beyond Beyond the Dead or something like beyond that. Beyond the Dead, interesting. Yeah, the new Beyond. So, so we've done almost all of the Walking Dead kind of playthroughs you can, and we have a good time, and we live we, we stream it, and we try to be the worst person possible. That's our goal. Yep. Um, and a lot of people have enjoyed it, and we traditionally give the first episode away to everybody, and we're going to do the same thing. There's two episodes coming out on the 20th. We're giving the first one away for everybody so you can get a taste. The rest of the episodes for this particular season or sub-story are going to be exclusively for club members only. Also, if you're kind of on the fence about whether or not to join the club, uh, our new software allows people to have a 30-day free trial. Mm-hmm. So you can sign up, and if you don't like it, you can cancel and get a free month of our content. Uh, and explore all the, the different things we have to offer. We, and this December has been chock-a-block full. We've had live watches of Christmas movies, uh, the badass bald move Christmas we call. We've had uh, Rocky IV, uh, Die Hard, Jingle All the Way, which have all been funny, uh, exclusive podcasts, and what we call our drunken lunches, where we have this uh, whiskey advent calendar, and whatever we have left after we've watched a movie, we consume in an hour of uh, audience Q&A interaction and see what happens. So uh, it's been fun, and uh, again, if you uh, would like to support us, we could sure use it at support.baldmove.com. And why not? Why not? Why not try it for free? Tis the season to get free stuff and try things out. 
Anyway, let's get to Barry C. from the UK. He says, so anyone who's stuck with your podcast this long probably agrees that the biggest problem The Walking Dead has is not acting, the script, the interesting themes, or the action. It's the storytelling and the pacing. Do you think, with all the material from the show that already exists, a skilled editor or storyteller could cut the crap out and create an excellent series? Man, I ha- haven't we not said this before? Like, mm-hmm. I think it is there to be done. I think you can pull a season and a half, maybe two seasons out of this show and make it be pretty tight. Yeah, I still think you'd have some problems. <laughs> I, I just don't think a lot of the footage is there to make the story really make sense. Really? Oh, I th- yeah. I, I think that most of this is going to be addition through subtraction. Oh, I agree. Uh, 100% agree. I just think there will be clunky bits where they just didn't bother to film shit. Yeah, that, no, you're right. There, there is some some things, and you're still going to have weird day-to-night transitions and, <laughs> and, uh. and stuff like that, but I do think that the majority... Um, and and I, I just feel like that there will be some kind of when all is said and done... The same way that you got these fan edits, and yeah. in fact, there might already be, but I there, feel like there were, yeah, okay, yeah, for I, early seasons. I feel like you can really take a lot out of the the Walking Dead and make it a much better show, and yeah. and also f- correct the pacing and re- like that, that would be if I was in college and I was doing studying, um, you know, editing, I would be very tempted to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Because you're yeah, right, the acting, the acting by and large is really good, and the, some of the worst acting is confined to the B plots, like Emily and the Slaptown Hospital. Like a lot of the people <laughs> right. there were barely above replacement level, probably below. Yeah. You get rid of some of that shit, and you focus on the main story, uh, and and you know all those guys bring it. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Nola B says this this season Carol has been like a stand-in for the bored audience, sitting on the sidelines waiting to be left alone until something interesting happens. <laughs> I know you are both Carol fans who were disappointed by the turn her character took last season. How do you feel about her character these days? Are you optimistic for her coming arc? So, I really don't know yet what her coming arc is. I think she's going to be forced into action at some point. Um that seems the only logical way to go with Carol other than get her off the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I would be excited to see that if she at least has to participate in the events happening around her. Do we have a spoiler section? To, are you planning? Uh, we have a small one, yeah. Okay, good, because I got some spoiler thoughts about that. But um, So I think that um, I think that one of Carol or Morgan will die. Okay. And I like them both so much that I don't really have a dog in the who I'd like to see survive. And, mm-hmm. and I, there's also an outside chance that they both die. Yeah. Um, because they do like Carol just feels like uh, one of the things the themes of the show is that humanity is now coming together again and it's it's there's two sides there's a Negan side where you don't just get by and help each other out you try to take it all and then there's the Rick and Hilltop and Kingdom side where everyone tries to get together and encourage hope and and try to get back to normalcy Mm -hmm. and I feel like Carol's going to be one of these old warriors that just doesn't have any play. Like, you know, it's it's one of those things where she's going to, her arc is going to be about preparing the way for that next, but she's not, a, she's not going to be part of that, you know? Okay. I can uh, see that. And, and, and I think Morgan maybe has got enough to where he could survive in the new order. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's going to be her arc, that she's going to be part of protecting something that she herself won't be a part of and probably will die sacrificing. Hmm. 
Yeah, I can see that. And again, I, I that's much... not that's not comic, but not because Carol's been dead yeah. long, like before in the middle of the prison arc in the comics. So I have no idea. That's just me looking at her arc and what she's doing right now. Yeah, and I just wonder how much longer Melissa McBride. I mean, she's been here since day one, people. Yep, and she's so, and as like you know another one of the the Darabont crew, right? So she, she probably, you know, eventually wants to quit doing this. On the other hand, imagine. I think I gotta say, I think that her character, she's probably come out the best of all of the yeah. classic characters as far as like becoming a like from where she started and where she is now. Mm-hmm. Like she has become a real character with depth and nuance and strength, and someone that you can say she's the best fighter in the room, and no one laughs because she's a middle aged, you know, woman. Like right. no, no, she's a, she's really a badass. She's a killer. Mm-hmm. So, and from where she started, that's an amazing transformation. Yeah, and I imagine you know, uh, I don't. I, I this, I I think she would probably say this is the best role of her career. Unironically. Oh, the mist was pretty good. It is the mist, but it's a two-hour. I mean, whatever it is, like how many really showcase moments she get out of that? She get five minutes worth, maybe. Right. right. So she's certainly more of a household name now than she ever was. Yeah, and like I, she's gotten to do some really good stuff with really talented actors. So yeah. I think that probably counts as something. But you're right. I think all these actors. I'm reading between the lines, and everyone's kind of getting. You know, this is a grueling thing. It's probably a lot of fun, and they feel like a big family. But right. It's grueling, and they also kind of start to see the maybe the the, the leaves are falling off the tree. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 entering fall, and winter's coming soon. <laughs> the harsh Georgian winter. Harsh Georgian winter. Harsh harsh DC winter. Chris H says Daryl still does not know that Carol left Alexandria last season. He and Carol will likely reunite in the kingdom. Will he be able to talk Carol into rejoining society? They're both in dark places right now, but do you think they'll be able to help each other? Who? Uh, Carol and who? Carol and Daryl. Oh, right. And they, they've always kind of had this connection, Simpatico. you know, whether it was romantic were... or whether it was, you know, strictly an emotional support sort of thing. Two kindred souls who know what it's like to be through right. ritualized uh, domestic abuse. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a good point because I don't know what Daryl would think of her. I don't know either. I mean, especially Daryl now. I mean, Daryl seems keen on fighting. Well, and also, like, you know, I don't care what you think of someone. There's a there's a real hostility for someone who feels like they've been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I like you, but you walked out on us. And Carol did literally walk out on them, and not just once or twice, but, or, I mean, I guess she was banished at one time, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I don't know that he, I don't know how he'll feel about her. That would be an interesting thing to explore. All right, Sean G says, you said that you didn't understand the symbolism of Rick in the prison with the note and the hatchet. Uh, And, you know, we took some stabs at it, and I think we mostly got the sentiment correct, but he wanted to elaborate. Uh, The hatchet represents war, death, and destruction. The note was just that if you win the war, at what cost? How many people have to die to win this war? Uh, The prison was him not going to war. He is a prisoner of Negan. It may be safe, but you'll be broken. Uh, Rick has struggled with all of the blood on his hands for a while now. And the choices he has made have led to so many people dying that, that he now you know, has to choose between war and people actually dying or not going to war and him still losing but dying as a prisoner in Negan. Then Michonne comes in to tell him if we go out on our own terms, um, that's a good thing. It's okay to go to war. And uh, yeah, I mean, I... I did we ever get to the point where we kind of understood what was going on there? 
I mean, the note was the confusing thing to us, I guess. Yeah, because it seemed like they were representing. It's it's we none of them rep. It didn't seem like a binary choice, which is like the way that thing is set up. You think it's like hatchet is war, obviously. Right. Right. <laughs> but then the other path is you win, you lose. What that that's like there wasn't an obvious duality there. Yeah, and I th- and maybe that's I had arrived on like on that concept of you know you you may get what you want like cuz there was the there was the problem of like Rick versus Spencer here right and how mm-hmm. Spencer wanted to work with them and then figure out and all these people wanted to take Negan down right. and Rick if he had won if he had had his way they would have just suffered under Negan right so like i thought that was the if you win you lose but you know he's so there's like and so is that it's supposed to mean like there's a third path and that he's you know are we going to understand that there's a third option that he was trying to grope for and that you know the hilltop's going to be part of like I, I again I'm still like yeah I get what they were trying to do but mm-hmm. not exactly and <laughs> right. I you know I that's a problem <laughs> yeah, I, I agree yeah the fact that even that's this email articulating like I still don't find it 100% satisfying mm-hmm. but like oh yes I know exactly what they're intending to suggest there right okay and that's it that's all I've got for the emails. Uh, I do have a few left over that I want to go into in the spoiler section. Yeah, and I have a couple thoughts I wanted to kind of expand in the spoiler section as well. Okay, well then we'll do that. Um, after the music, there will be a a section that is all spoilers, so if you are spoiler-averse, stay out of that section. Just shut it off when the music comes on. Are we still doing a uh, preview podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. I think we'll do a preview, because there should be a lot of information out yeah. about the new season. I, I actually saw a clip already that has me somewhat excited, but we'll talk about it in the spoiler section. Interesting. All right. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to our coverage this half season. We'll be back in February. Uh, February 14th? I think it's 12th, around there. I think, is the, first, is the first episode. Yeah. So they just announced that. Um, so look forward to that, and we'll see you next year. And we're back with the spoiler section. Uh, I've got a few emails. Do you want to talk about something with Carol? Right. So um, I think it's interesting that they're introducing the prison uh, because a lot of people probably, since that happened a season ago, forgot that, you know, uh, Morgan wanted to build a prison because he wanted to have that third way. Right. Uh, The way this uh, the all-out war goes, unless they're going to do the remix of all remixes, is... They don't kill Negan. They take him prisoner. And this is like, you know, the the start of a new kind of reboot of Western-style democracy with concepts of justice and whatnot. Um, So I'm trying to think of, like, who's going to live. I I do feel like that Carol is being positioned as this warrior who just can't fit in. She's her, Her trust is gone and her ability to live in a normal environment is gone. She's going to probably die to defend... Uh, an ideal she believes in, but she probably can't inhabit. And that's going to probably galvanize Morgan into action. Mm -hmm. But I also think I can already see a scene where, like, you know, Morgan is fatally wounded and he's dying in Rick's arms and he gives this last thing, like, you know, don't avenge me. Like, that's not the path I wanted. Like, if you have the choice, you know, choose that third path. And that's how that's going to carry the day. And that's why Rick's going to put in prison. So I, 
I think if I was going to make an official prediction, both Carol and Morgan don't make it through the All Out War storyline. I could definitely see that. Uh, it, it sounds pretty good as but I, described if they if they hit the details. Right. But, but I could also see Morgan surviving, although him and Jesus mm-hmm. kind of occupy a lot of the same space, yeah, yeah. warrior-wise. I could see him surviving and, like, Rick wanting to kill Negan and Negan encouraging him to do it. Then, you know, you know, Lenny James putting a hand on Andrew Lincoln's shoulder and, like, talking him down from it. So, like, he yeah. doesn't have to die, but, like, if my, my gut says that both of them are probably going to be out. Man, how many... It's just kind of ridiculous. Okay, we're going to take Negan prisoner because we don't kill people. Like, that's that's not what we do. We don't kill when we don't have to. How many people do they kill to get to Negan? They've got to kill hundreds of people to get to him, right? Yeah, but it's more like, it's more <laughs> of setting an example. It's like... I know, I know, I get it. You don't want to make a martyr, and you want to show that this is a new way to do things. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be a race to kill the top guy. Right. Uh... I don't – so clearly they have to somehow subdue not just Negan but his entire camp of saviors. I mean these are people who I think would kill for him. It's apparent what they will do for him. Uh, well, if, if the we or Negan thing means actually anything at all, then there should be uh, someone rushing in to fill this power vacuum when he's gone but, but, and not just like submitting. How can you say that when we already see so many fractures in his inner circle? Like the but, one but this, redheaded woman right. who is going away to apparently to commit suicide. But then we see his men who are perfectly fine being horrible shits to everyone. But that's his. You can't tell me that those guys wouldn't step in and become Negan because oh, he's yeah. already set up that that philosophy. Sure, sure. But in the comic line, I I think if I recall correctly, the way this works out is that uh, they take Negan prisoner. Dwight becomes the new leader of the Saviors and takes them off into a more kinder, gentler path. Okay, integrates them as another community. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that strong leader that steps in and is, is paved the way and the men are prepared to, to follow. And it's the double agent that turns out to be Dwight. So I don't know. And, it's, and I, the more I think about it, the more I, my, I'm, I'm coming back on my initial optimism that maybe we'll get the all out. Like, like in my perfect world, Negan would be in prison at the end of this season, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of this next coming half season. And yeah. then we'd have the two year time jump forward. Um, I, I I doubt that we're going to get that. I think that they're going to drag out the prelude to war for because they got they really haven't done enough work on Dwight to have him be a believable turncoat and for have him to be a believable person that can take over the saviors. Like I don't think so anyway. Yeah, I could be disappointed. They feel like they've done the road work and they're just going to do it. And it's going to be another like oh what the, the fuck. The part that they haven't done enough on is making me believe that anybody would follow him. That's what that's I, yeah. that's what I'm making, saying. Making him a believable leader, like you said, I like I think they've done just barely enough to make me understand that he's not a hundred percent on board with Negan's method of ruling, right? Or Negan's philosophies, just barely though. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think they've done enough, except for because of the way they structured this, <laughs> right. also undercut with like, oh, we see he's Dwight having surprisingly shit. depth, and then oh, look here, he's just gleefully and wantonly killing and, and pillaging and being a dick and then oh yeah. yeah he's also got more surprising depth and yeah all right let's get into some emails um john w has a theory on the person in the boots and i don't know what this means because i haven't read the comics but he says do you think it could possibly be magna from the comics do you know who magna is don't know who magna is Shit. is that one the whispers i thought I, they all I had no names idea. like alpha and beta and 
whatnot. Okay, maybe Magna's one of them. <laughs> Could be. Uh, okay, let's move on to Mike in Kentucky. It says, you've pointed out that using Sasha as a mistake for the very unique-looking Michonne would be racially insensitive. Yes, we did. Uh, it was just announced that actress Sonequa Martin-Green, who plays Sasha, was cast in the lead role of Star Trek Discovery. While they claim she's going to be doing both she's shows... She's the captain? She is the captain. No kidding. <laughs> no, she's not the captain. Well, the lead. what the hell is the lead role, then? She might be the captain. Maybe she's uh, the black version of Janeway. Maybe they're going to the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> The nega Janeway. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't... I don't... I guess that would be... I'm trying to see her as a captain. Sure. I can see her as a captain. Probably. She... She's better than this show, is what's unfortunate. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, I don't... I never liked Janeway. Um, yeah. But that is more from, like, it's not like, oh, a woman as a captain is more like, wow, yeah, yeah. she really can't decide whether she wants to be prime... Like... Sla- a slaver to prime directive or right. fuck everything my crew is the most important i'm getting us home and yeah. like she kept on vacillating between that and that was infuriating to me it's mm-hmm. like you just set half the galaxy on fire to shave off three weeks of your fucking 78 year trip and now you're saying that we can't do this because of prime directive get the fuck out of here yeah <laughs> with you like, she's just infuriating yeah they claim that she's going to be doing both shows but mike calls bullshit I think they will kill her off by combining a second Walking Dead storyline. Prior to the kidnap of Holly, Negan thought he killed Andrea, who was the group's sniper, by shooting her out of the tower in Alexandria. Uh, it turned out to be someone else. On the show, Sasha is actually the group sniper, but Michonne was training to do so. What if Negan's men kill Sasha in the tower, mistaking her for Michonne, which then frees Sonequa Martin-Green to do Star Trek, which which is actually you know what we, what we thought. All right, so I believe that you could shoot... Sasha out of a tower and watch her fall and maybe think it's Michonne. Yeah. From a distance. Yeah, and... It's still hard to believe because even at a distance, like, they don't dress or look anything alike. Right. But but I do... I definitely... I mean, I even said as much in the spoiler section early in the season that I I think that they're certainly trying to retrofit Michonne into that Andrea angle mm-hmm. because there's a lot of beats that only are going to work, like Rick being horrified that he thinks he's lost Andrea. Um, yeah. doesn't work if there's nobody to, like, if Michonne's not up in a tower being a sniper at any point. And there's also the Negan mistaking, you know, Michonne for kid, you know, he thinks he's kidnapped Rick's girlfriend. Well, if he doesn't kidnap Michonne or someone that looks like Michonne, how are they going to do that beat? Now, they don't have to. It wouldn't be the first time they just remix shit um, and just ignore comic plots, but those seem like pretty big beats of the all-out war to me. Sure. Yeah, they're important beats for Rick. Yeah. As a character. Yeah, totally. Wouldn't want to miss him. A couple of other emails. Matthew N. sent in a preview video where they're basically discussing how to take out Negan. They're up at the hilltop. It's kind of the whole group that we saw at the end of this season. Uh, And Jesus offers them a long-range radio to monitor the saviors Uh and to to be able to, like, take your time and plan the attack. And he also says it's time to introduce you to King Ezekiel. So I think next season hopefully pretty early on we're going to immediately go and meet Ezekiel yeah. uh, with with the real group you know it's interesting because i thought that was going to that's straight from the comics but i thought yeah. somehow carol and and uh, morgan were going to be the ambassadors but i guess they're just going to yeah i mean it looks like jesus is just going to take them over there which is fine by me i wonder what like, rick i wonder what the reaction is when rick shows up 
Like, how does Carol treat him? How does Morgan treat him? How do they view those Well, guys? so Carol says, hey, Morgan, don't tell anybody about me. Do you think Morgan's going to stick with that? No. Okay. Morgan doesn't seem like he gives a shit about that kind of thing. <laughs> like, he's going to do what he thinks is right and what he thinks is right for you. That's true. Above all. Yeah. Like, that seems like it's very much his relationship with Carol. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Maybe have a little respect for Ben says, if it happens that they're planning on introducing the Whispers early, it may support a theory. Is Enid an earlier introduction of Lydia of the graphic novel? Alpha of the Whisperer's daughter? I don't I don't know huh. who that is. Well, I mean, we saw her parents. That, that can't be. We saw her parents die. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely not. Okay. Right? I mean, we yeah, did I mean, see her I parents mean, if, die and die screaming. And if Alpha is a character that exists, yeah. Her and that was, that was from her That was from her perspective. It wasn't right. like she was telling Carl, my parents died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, thing. I don't I don't see how it could possibly be. Okay. Like it's it's a decent theory, but mm. I, I you know they've I, they've already done sh- cut the legs off of it. Okay, yeah. I mean, he says they look similar and a couple of other reasons why. But okay, yeah, that's that's a fair point, and that's all I got for the spoiler section. All right, that's all I got too. Okay, well, like we said before, we went into this uh, before the music. We'll be back next year for seven B, and we're. Definitely going to change, you know, how we cover it or when we cover it or something, but we'll be back. Yeah. So we'll see you next year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.